Welcome, this is Coppercast, a brand new show dedicated to exploring the wonderful, if somewhat technical world of institutional investment in crypto assets. I'm your host, Tyler Kenyon. Our guest today is Jeff Hancock, the CEO of CoinPass.com. Jeff got a start in IT security working the graveyard shift for casinos in Australia, doing everything from thwarting attacks to fixing the visiting Sheikh's iPad. Back when facial recognition didn't exist and casinos relied on a network of human intelligence sharing. His time in the gaming business also served as an introduction to what 24-7 operations on a massive scale look like, a great primer for the crypto world. He's also an adventure race car driver, taking a beat-up 1.2-liter car from London to Mongolia, raising money for charity along the way. But he's a builder at heart, and when the opportunity arose to create a safe and affordable place to buy crypto in the UK, he jumped at it. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. In your show and tell segment, which if you haven't seen, please go to Copper's YouTube channel or see it on our blog. That's copper.co forward slash insights. Um, you talk about pound cost averaging. Uh, why is this a topic that interests you? Sure. Um, so first of all, thanks for having us on the on the cast. It's obviously good to get out and meet some more of our partners, um, get more uh, into the space and obviously share what we uh, what's important to us, what we hold there. Um, on pound cost averaging specifically, it's something that's probably not as widely adopted in crypto right now. If we've seen what's happened through, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018, it was all about new tokens. It was all about, you know, startup projects and ICOs and new tokens and trading. Um, and that's kind of been um, the main focus and the main premise uh, around crypto. Whereas you, you know, step back a bit and you look at traditional investing, what does everyone encourage you to do with your SIP or your ISA? Is to contribute to it every single month, you know, put it on automatic and set and forget and build that wealth pot over a longer period of time. And it's something that was almost kind of forgotten about uh, or overlooked when it came to crypto. Uh, and we built coinpass.com from the ground up for, you know, a product that was supposed to be for the UK um, to be scaled out and obviously be a global brand at some point in the future. And there was a lot of people that were, you know, I simply want to uh, buy it, have access to it, store it, um, but wanted to adopt that really sim- that very similar, you know, investment premise. So we built in our auto trader, our, you know, our, our dollar cost averaging essential, set up a standing order, it automatically buys you in and it's stored in custody for you. Very, very simple. Uh, and we kind of almost built that product for ourselves as well as a lot of our, our early adopters and our early community. Um, that, you know, were interested in gaining access to crypto but didn't want to look at charts. They, you know, didn't want to spend hours trying to find the most optimal way to get in and swap four different tokens to, you know, eventually end up with more Bitcoin because they had lives, they had businesses, they had portfolios and they simply had better things to do. But they they realized very, very early that they wanted to be investing into this market and that was a easy way, an understandable way for them to gain access to it. Do you get the sense that, people are taking advantage of this more now is it uh, is it growing in, in your user base uh, do you see do you even see people you know more people talking about it on on twitter or? yeah so uh on the social media space this particular uh i suppose strategy in terms of you know accessing the market over longer periods of time it tends to be by default one of the boring ones mm. like oh you just buy it every week big deal you know you're not going to go to the moon in a hurry. Uh, and I think that's where some of the maturity in the space is lacking because mm. um, people are trying to find you know, find that edge, find that bot, find that one token that goes from one set up to $10 overnight. Uh, and yeah, there were times in 2017 where between uh, the ground floor and the 15th floor of going up a building in London, your portfolio would go up 3%. Mm. And it was a normal, <laughs> was a normal day. Uh, but those aren't, real, those aren't real gains. And a lot of people simply didn't, 
realize those profits. So, you know, I think it's definitely important that when you look at crypto, you should look at it like any other asset class. Um, it can be a payment system. It, it is in somewhat completely decentralized and there are a lot of other benefits to it, but you're investing into something that has a cap supply with increasing demand with more players coming to the market. You know, we've got PayPal enabling it soon. Uh, we've got yeah, US banks pass regulations so they can all be crypto custodian providers. You know, there's huge, huge, huge reasons now for, you know, more than ever to be accumulating more over longer periods of time. Do you think there's still th things holding people back? I mean, specifically in the UK from, you know, adopting the strategy or even investing in it. I know, you know, with CoinPass, you set up a standing order. Um, do you think there's people who, because crypto has a reputation mm. that goes back to 2017 and it's not great that, uh, you know, people are reticent to, you know, engage with a, a crypto firm, mm. you know, consistently over a long period of time. Yeah. We still have definitely. some work to do there. So definitely. Um, I think the, you know, the whole space in the, on the retail sector specifically um, has a, it's still working on its image. Um, you go and do your initial research over, you know, if you, let's say you're, uh, even a professional or a white collar or the, you know, the, the one person wants to buy a hundred pounds of crypto, they're going to do their Google search. They're going to be hit with a slew of ads. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going to end up into a Twitter feed or a Facebook group asking the simple questions uh, and sometimes not even welcomed that yeah. great by some of this community that can be very polarizing, very toxic. And some ways they will just recommend a product that they get the best referral deal, deal out of, even if it doesn't serve that person's needs. So there's definitely an image problem that kind of needs to grow up a little bit. And I suppose that's just kind of nascent of being, you know, a very still emerging asset class, not just an emerging tech. People are willing to learn. People are willing to invest the time. They just almost need a little bit of a holding hand uh, to kind of get the answers that they seek, uh, which is exactly why we have a phone number on our website. We get a lot of questions just on what's a wallet? How do I do this? How do I find this info? And we can send it to our FAQ. We'll send them out into a, some of the answers are better than us. Does that, does that go to your personal mobile? Uh, no comment. No. Uh, no, it goes to our skill team. Uh, there's been times where, yeah, when we were growing startup and there was only five of us, then yeah, there was a couple of calls I used to answer, uh, when it came to business dev and finance. We have a, a really skilled team of support guys now that, um, uh, yeah, help a lot of our clients out, even if they don't turn out to be clients, you know? Um, and I think that's probably one of the things that's missing is that level of professionalism, that level of legitimacy. Um, and there's, there's just too many ways still. Um, that a lot of these you know, non-existent companies are acquiring a lot of people's money um, and running off with it. Um, and there's guys like like ourselves at CoinPass and you guys here at Copper as well, um, trying to literally bring up the space, uh, you know, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Um, and hopefully, like, you know, with the FCA regulations and stuff going on in a year's time, maybe the market will be smaller, maybe there'll be less players, but they'll be essentially be the best ones in the market. Yeah, I guess it's not just the FCA either because the uh, HMT, Her Majesty's Treasury, is come out with that consultation um, about advertising. You know, yes. Specifically consumers, promotions. you know, the promotions. They're mm. saying, you know, the FCA should have oversight of this and any firm that wants to, you know, promote, you know, cryptocurrency should have an authorization. Or yeah. Are you, are you um, what is it called when you provide feedback to them? Are you going to contribute to the consultation? Yeah, yeah. So we are going to, we are going to be contributing, definitely. Um, I think it's almost like, do you want to help your clients out and do you want to help, you know, the community in the space really clean up? And obviously the answer is yes. But then kind of how far does that go to going away from the fundamentals of what crypto is? Mm. You know, everyone should be, you know, be able to contribute and be able to be a part of a decentralized ecosystem by putting some kind of regulatory caps on that and who can say what. You start to 
pull back a little bit mm. from really what crypto is about. And if it comes to protecting consumers uh, and it comes to protecting people from being scammed and lose their money, then I think it's really, really healthy. But I think there has to be kind of almost a line in the sand of, are they talking about the businesses or are they talking about the currencies? And I think mm. as the FCA and, and the HMRC and HMT, et cetera, as all of their narratives improve, as their advice gets better, um, as the education out there improves, uh, I think ultimately it'll 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 make a better market. It does feel like it's been going on for a while. I, I mean, all, all of these mm. regulatory bodies together, they've been talking about it for yeah two or three years, and there's a lot of there's a lot of guidance, but no real you know, legislation. Yeah, there's nothing really concrete that says you know as a business you need to do X Y Z or yeah, we, not we, do X Y Z. We're finally getting to that now yeah. with you know the recent AMR five D rules mm-hmm. that are coming out. You know, from January to, to ne- January this year to next year. Uh, and I think that will help. Mm. I think there's still going to be a lot of cowboy stuff out there. Um, I know there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to struggle to get their application done because it is it is very in-depth. Yeah. Um, some people have likened it to a full authorization, not just a registration. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so it is it is a meaty topic. Um, and there's and a cost for a business in yeah. even doing that because, yeah. you know, in most cases you need to maybe find an external consultant who can help you with the paperwork because it is – I mean, unless you grew up doing paperwork, it's not. Well, this is, this is one of our, natural. one of our, I suppose, our, our secret weapons with one of our co-founders that's been, he's been regulated 25 years. I that mean, helps. he understands what they're asking without asking it. You yeah. know, there's some of those questions in there that are buried where, you know, there are three different answers. Mm. Uh, one of them is the correct one where you get a follow-up question anyway. Uh, one of them is, you know, completely wrong. Uh, and one of them is standing on a landmine. And you, you kind of like, what, what's the worst What's the worst case here? I need to answer it, not as safely as possible, but, you know, what are they really asking here? Yeah. Uh, and that's just how some of these structured questions are there. They're, there's always follow-ups. So it'd be beneficial for, you know, the organizations like, like yourself that have the, the experience and the resources to go through the process. Um, is there a risk that it will push other organizations to less... Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, you know, jurisdictions that might not have as much interest in protecting the consumer. Definitely. And we've already seen this. There's been, yep. um, uh, if we take just, uh, maybe not specifically the UK, because AMR5D originated from Europe. Mm-hmm. Orig- and there were some firms, as soon as that came to light, that it was not going to be just the guidance, but it was going to be a full regulation across those particular parts of Europe, is that they moved their business. Uh, how does that pr- protect their consumer? Mm-hmm. You know, moving to a completely different jurisdiction to the other part of the world. WebStart still looks the same. Performance is still the same. It's an Amazon. Who cares? Um, and do, do those consumers care? Well, I'm sure they do. But do they actually know what those implications are now? And I think that's probably one of the biggest things in, in terms of um, uh, opaqueness mm. when it comes to you know trading against fiat currencies and crypto is that where is my capital actually sitting? You know, Some of these platforms, you can't even see the actual limited company that owns the platform, You know what jurisdiction they're in. Uh, who's it actually owned by? How's it funded? Some of these questions that are, you know, if you're going to invest into a startup or in a business, you want to know, probably want to know who the founders are, but you want to know at least what jurisdiction am I working with? You know, where's my money sitting? Um, and there are a lot of platforms right now that even though you might be trading initially into pounds, whether it's via a debit card or whether it's via some other payment processor, the second your money leaves the UK, um, there's even less protection for the consumer. Uh, the ombudsman, doesn't cover it you know you've literally got no recourse as a, a retail or even institutional investor of who's really holding your money and what are you actually buying Did, so i mean obviously this was an important consideration for you guys when you were setting up 
um, CoinPass, did you consider other, I mean, there are other, you know, legitimate jurisdictions mm. in which to do this. And like, well, did you consider Australia or where you're from or, or the U.S. or other parts of Europe? So U.S. was a, was a big no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's still a big no. Uh, I don't know. It depends how deep your pockets are. I mean, you're yeah. talking about each, you're talking state level yeah. um, jurisdiction plus, you know, New York bit license and stuff like that. Uh, we were talking with a, um, uh, a provider the other day we were looking to do some business with and they're based out of Canada. And I said, oh, okay, you guys, you know, where are you looking to deploy and do this, this solution X, Y, and Z? And I said, are you in Canada and America? I went, ah, no. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? And I said, we have to regulate as a full-blown securities exchange in Canada or we have to go and get, you know, a full-blown bit license in New York. And both of those are just far too big and far too expensive for what we want to do at our scale. You know, we've only got, you know, 15,000 users and X amount of million to deploy. That's still not enough to go to some of these, you know, really, really heavy, heavy on areas. Um, Australia wasn't on the plat, was, wasn't on our roadmap because let's face it, I live in the UK. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't live in, don't live in Australia. Um, and our other founders, we've, we've been living and working in the UK for you know, a large part of our careers. And our, um, our COO and, um, and co-founder, he's been FCA regulated you know, 24 years at that point. So it's like, well, where's the jurisdiction lay right now? Well, UK doesn't have, anything but 2017 we first started talking about it um and back then the fca was bitcoin and blockchain and crypto are all the same thing we know that's not true but that was their opinion then in 2018 it improved a little bit here's some exchange tokens and some utility tokens uh ico tokens and derivatives mm. are cool it's it's expanding a little bit and now we have the you know the regulations and frameworks we have now so it's developing was there a better jurisdiction maybe whether it's I don't know, maybe in you know, Portugal, you tax-free stuff, you know, Germany, very, very strong, uh, or Estonia, uh, which mm. uh, a couple of friends of mine run businesses over there as well, but someone has to live there. Is it a strong regulation framework or is it just kind of cheap to get on board? Uh, I think that's still to be seen. Mm. Uh, and each have their own their own merits. But for where we wanted our business to go, where we saw the opportunity long-term, is that you can't regulate Bitcoin and you can't regulate Ethereum, but the endpoints offering the service that want to be professional, that want to be legitimate, that want to have that white glove service from your retail all the way up to your professional traders, that's where we can make a real impact. Because in the UK, there is, in my opinion, still not enough really high quality premium brands uh, that are looking after the consumer and that are doing their part to kind of fight um, financial crime and AML risk. Have you seen much, um, I mean, have you seen the appetite of the, the retail consumer in the UK shift much over, the, over that period from 2017 to now? Is it, is it the same, you know, demographic? I mean, how's it changing? Um, I think the people, you've, you've still got um, the, the, the kind of coiner versus non-coiner sort of mentality. You've got people in the space that have, you know, done a lot of stuff with Bitcoin, done a lot of stuff with Ethereum, uh, been through the whole ICO craze. And now they're kind of forming into, they, they've kind of made their profits, they've got their risk-free capital and they kind of dabble here and there. But they'll focus probably more on accumulating Bitcoin over longer periods of time, whether that's through trading, through dollar cost averaging or shaving profits of other tokens. Mm-hmm. So they kind of get into, you know, your Tezos, your chain links, that kind of stuff and, and, and more kind of range trading or, you know, prop trading, et cetera. Your new market participants, they're sort of seeing Bitcoin and seeing crypto and then, almost instantly falling into this unlimited size pool of alts and staking and debit cards. And it's almost, it becomes way too complex because 
people are referring them to platforms that give them the best, mm-hmm. you know, the best affiliate, the best whatever, you know, marketing, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think that's probably where a lot of the new the newer money is coming into and then instantly getting lost and either becoming fatigued, becoming bored. Um, and ultimately it's kind of a rinse and repeat cycle. So keeping the the same audience engaged um, and not just spending from a, a revenues perspective, but, you know, ensuring that they're, um, what do you call it? They're, uh, you know, the most important things to them, securing their assets, offering security, uh, whether it's insurance and interest as well, mm-hmm. uh, having a, a platform that's constantly evolving having a brand that's trustworthy and it's not going to go bust tomorrow, you know. Uh, that's something that was really, really important to us because there was, I think, five platforms being built at the same time as us in, in the UK in 2018 and none of them are here because uh, they said we're going to build a better Coinbase exactly the same way with zero funding. We can't really do that. You either have to build it brand new with funding or you build it in a scalable fashion and offer a USP. It, d- it did feel like for a while it was everything was getting saturated. Like yeah. you know, from our even from our perspective, you know, custodians, um, you know, they were popping up left, right, and center. Yeah. And there's pl- retail exchanges, you know, anywhere you shake a stick at. So what what's been you know CoinPass's recipe for sticking around? Uh, I suppose it's definitely been looking out for our client interest first. Uh, more than anything else. But how do you do um, that? Like what's what's so in terms that of that? It's uh, it comes to speed. People have got short attention spans. It's 2020. Um, I know I won't go through a six-minute YouTube if I don't have to. Um, but it's uh, yeah, <laughs> two hours or two minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speed. It's good, it's good. May I write that one down? Two minutes. <laughs> uh, speed, reliability, quality, service. Those are the three things you can't cheap out on. As soon as you cheap out on any one of those, uh, your you know your business starts to falling on one kind of direction. Mm-hmm. If I'm you know slow, I'm not going to onboard anybody. If it's not reliable and I'm relying on just constant new capital coming in, then I'm always going to have a huge churn rate and a huge burn rate, which is not good for your brand. Uh, and ultimately, you're just burning marketing spend. And if you don't have that high quality service, then kind of what's the point? You know, do you want to have a chop shop brand that just you know falls over all the time or doesn't offer you know anything unique? And I think as you know, our vision longer term is that you know crypto and banking uh, is going to have a blurred line at some point in time where we're not looking at two different, you know, factions in financial services. There's going to be one blurred line between them and it's just going to be considered a single digital finance layer. And I think where we're going and where we want to be is, you know, helping to create that digital layer. I think at the start of this year, um, pre-pandemic, there was, you know, everyone was talking about M&A being one of the big features of 2020 to look out for. Uh, And since then, I think that's probably become even more true with regulations becoming more permissible and, you know, the guidance in the U S that, you know, banks could provide custody, Mm. you know, fueling the fire that there's just going to be this rampant acquisition spree going on. Do you, do you think that's going to come to fruition in the UK? Do you, you know, is it your aspiration to become one of those banks or be acquired by one of those banks? You don't have to answer that if you want to. I'm just curious. If a bank came to me saying, I'll write you a check and take (laughs) you over, what would I say? I don't know. (laughs) How big's the check, right? If you're listening, Barclays, no. <laughs> um, no, really good question. I think um, they're not as afraid of crypto as we think they are. Mm. I think their alignment with is this thing like a bank is regulated, a bank is expensive to set up and it's expensive to run, let's face it. So having a decentralized system there that kind of breaks that narrative is obviously a form of control. So if they can't control it, you know, and can't AML it and they, all those kind of things that go with it, a whole anti-government sentiment. Um, 
they're either completely against it or there's a way they can work together. And I think at the moment with either through M&As, uh, through joint ventures, through other kind of partnerships, is that they can basically give an offering to every kind of customer that's far more secure, that's you know more controlled in terms of crypto being deposited and leaving the platform and chain analytics and all that kind of stuff goes with it. They're probably positioning longer term away to be able to say, well, you can buy crypto in your bank account and we can custody it and it's safe and it has all the stuff that a bank has and you don't have to go out to those dodgy third-party crappy crypto exchanges based on the other side of the world. They want to have an offering that's cleaner, safer and easier to use. Uh, I had a similar question uh, a year and a half ago. What's going to be the blockchain that breaks, you know, Visa, MasterCard, transactions a second, big killer? So, well, what's going to happen is that those companies are going to adopt the technology. They're going to see whatever else is done. They're going to acquire the best bit. They're going to use all of their collective, you know, wealth and knowledge and intellect to build something that's not going to, you know, there's not going to be a, uh, a Visa MasterCard killer. They're simply going to come and join the party mm. with more power and more intellect and more everything than everyone else. So they're going to come and join the party. We're already here. And I think that's probably similar to banking. Whether they integrate, whether they acquire, whether they simply copy someone else. Um, I think that they're very, very aware of how powerful crypto can be on a technological level, that it's not something to be feared, mm. that, you know, they can obviously make quite a lot of money out of it and they can bring hell of a lot of legitimacy to the space so i kind of welcome when they want to get involved do you think they've got their eye on on things like you know DeFi, which is one of the hottest <laughs> topics right now uh with the current DeFi stuff no maybe DeFi in five years when it like doesn't fall over after it's like 11th day in action or something <laughs> think of yam yeah, think of yam right <laughs> yeah like i don't know who did, who didn't see that coming really <laughs> exactly. this is an unaudited project to not put any money in it 60 million to zero like come on i remember there was almost like uh we were like not, not even counting on the way down. No one could even type that fast. It went to zero. But anyway, so I think I think the premise of it is 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 amazing. I think the idea that within a mobile app with a really you know, really clean, really simple UI, you can put a bank account and a savings account and a way to generate interest off your off your savings to any person on the planet. I mean, I don't really care what kind of regime people follow or don't follow, how political or not political you are that is important as a basic human need being able to transact with your own money with not just anyone else on the planet, but to have that kind of financial inclusion. Mm. Um, it should go beyond kind of what's available right now. I mean, I, I came to this country with uh, a laptop and a backpack and it took me, you know, I'm from the Commonwealth, you know, we're not a, a pirate state as some people think in Australia, like, you know, all jokes aside, uh, it took me two months to open a bank account mm. Um, I had to pay for my first, what, three months rent in cash, you know, trying to claw together, you know, 4,000 pounds or something like that. And, you know, a very, very subpar apartment in zone five. And we're called, this is how I have to start my career. There's nothing wrong with that. But the amount of hurdles I had to jump to get, you know, a phone on a non-pay-as-you-go to get a decent deal, to get a bank account, get paid you know all that kind of stuff i was just shelling out huge fees using my, my australian bank account for my first few months here because it was just so it was near impossible in a you know uk london financial capital of the world to open just a simple current savings account you, you didn't have an address i haven't checked lately because mm. i was in to set one of the, one of those up recently but do you think the banks are catching up to 
I think you they have to. Conclusion. It's kind of a die, a do or die, right? I mean, look at what some of the neobanks are doing, like your Starlings and your Revoluts and stuff like that. Open up a bank account in 19 clicks. Mm. Um, I was setting up a business account for uh, my property business back in the day. Uh, HSBC wanted me to go to their office in Twickenham twice. And I had to prove to them, A, why do you need a business account? I went, because it's a property business. Oh, okay. Can you prove to us you're not a hedge fund in the US? What? <laughs> um, and those are the things I had to go through. And I'm like, okay, well, while doing some paperwork at home, is oh, I'll try this Starling thing out. I onboarded a personal account and a business account in 27 minutes and had both the cards in two days. Why is it so difficult? Mm. You know, I don't, and that's something they're really going to fall behind. I think they already are falling behind, which is why I think a bank M&As with neobanks is probably going to happen first. And then maybe the crypto custody stuff and the DeFi stuff will kind of happen second. But I think it kind of needs to. Mm. It's 2020, for God's sake. Do you, um, do you think the pandemic is going to spur any of that on? You know, there's going to be lots more people out of work for longer periods of time or, you know. I think it definitely, it's oh, a really good question. I mean, it kind of almost um, helps coin the term, you know, um, uh, act global, think local, right? Mm. I mean, you can be, if you're a freelancer right now, you could be a global brand. You can have clients all over the world. Uh, you can have um, a bank account or crypto uh, and you, you can accept payments in any currency uh, from any client. You could be sitting uh, at an office here in London. You could be sitting um, at a train station in Portugal uh, or, uh, or working in the US doing your design work, doing your advisory, uh, graphical artists, sound engineers. You can do whatever you want from anywhere in the world and have clients from anywhere. Uh, now, you can do that through traditional fiat systems, but a lot of them are starting to turn to crypto because they – they're looking to hedge against fiat. Look at how much money printing's gone on in the US during the pandemic, trying to prop everything up and let's face it, kick the can further down the street. Uh, a lot of investors that are on our are working with us now and and uh, will continue to work with us in the future. Um, they're looking for you know clean, reliable, professional help to you know get in and out of the crypto market when they want to because they have a genuine fear at the moment of of uh, monetary policy. Have you noticed in, uh, like with your with coin? CoinPass's uh, user-based an effect from the pandemic just last yeah, six months. Yeah, I it? think the yeah, last six months, definitely. Um, I think um, well, the halving helped that out a lot. I mean, halving on Google. I mean, look at the Google searches was was insane. Probably our largest sign-up month uh, this year, I think, was was kind of the halving date. Um, it's interesting because, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, because you're coming from the retail perspective. and Yeah, mostly retail, some B2B as well, yes. Because I think a lot of people who comment on the institutional side say having was priced in years ago Pricing well, was halving priced in we haven't gone through halving with this level of market saturation this many institutional players so mm. I think every halving is kind of different so saying it's priced in I think you might have been able to say that if the market hadn't changed in four years but a lot's changed in four years we had an entire ICO boom um yeah, the pricing was what, what sub a thousand or around a thousand dollars or something like that yeah. four years ago. And your only sort of fiat on and on ramps were in US dollars. Fast forward four years, we've got every currency under the sun, we've got debit cards, we've got mobiles, we've got it's a completely different market. So saying it's priced in is like uh, trying to anticipate what the fiat val what the real fiat value of the market is without tether and without other stable coins. You kinda can't really put your finger on it accurately. Uh, it's like trying to say what's the market cap just for the UK and crypto. It's kind of impossible to tell because you've got central exchanges, DEXs, other stable coins. From all, you can't really tell where one kind of country is from. That's kind of the whole point, right? 
Um, so if we made you speculate on uh, the next having, <laughs> what's next the market going to look like then? I don't know. If you want to follow Plan B to stop flow model, it's easily in excess of 100K. But between now and then, what does the market look like? Yeah. So I'd say, what is the market sentiment between now and the next halving four years? Well, you know, we might speculate that, you know, banks have a greater role in the next kind of, you know, run up to the next halving uh, where you could probably buy crypto in your Lloyd's account or something like that because they're using a back-end service like Copper and CoinPass. Take a note. <laughs> yeah. right, someone, someone should write, someone that, write down. that down. Someone write that down. <laughs> um, so I think you're going to see a completely different market in terms of access points in terms of regulation, in terms of market adoption, in terms of, you know, how people see crypto. You know, maybe it's a completely different space where uh, we might have a, a, a savage downturn because of a, you know, a monumental hack or Satoshi comes out and, you know, or, or, or whatever happens. Um, and, and DeFi might not have any further problems anymore. You might not have any of those kind of zero crashes and people are genuinely getting their 5 or 7% a year reliably without any smart contract stuff you know four years from now i mean this market moves weekly at an insane pace little in four years from now it's completely unpredictable so what are the biggest priorities at CoinPass the next uh, whether it's product dev side or just you know company yeah, you know, what's going on in the next the, sort of the, three the, re- months? the regulation piece is definitely our, mm-hmm. our our biggest um priority right now uh obviously all of our paperwork submitted and it's it's going great uh had really good feedback so far um, and that was always the original, you know, back in 2017, is they will regulate the endpoints eventually. Mm. Um, it's who's going to get there first, who's going to do the best job of it, and who's going to be left standing. Um, and I think we put ourselves into a really good market position and built a cool brand. Uh, we build great products. We've got a great team. Um, and, and that's kind of mostly important to us. So definitely the positioning and, and the regulation part. Um, continuing to build products that people want. Um, we're not reliant on a token which is definitely different to a lot of other exchanges that have to uh, say price in their own token. Uh, they have to add you know, incentives behind it, all the other kind of metrics for burning, staking, whatever you want to do. We're not burdened by that. Uh, obviously make our regulation piece a lot cleaner. And uh, I think it's um, definitely creating that, you know, working towards that vision of that blurred layer between um, crypto and banking and creating it as a single digital finance platform whether that's a debit card or it's just full Apple Pay and Google Pay, something like that, um, current accounts, interest rate, insurance, custody, that kind of stuff, uh, and working with a really he- healthy ecosystem of partners instead of trying to think um, inward that, you know, we're absolutely everything and we don't need to partner with anyone and, you know, we're the, the bee's knees, as in having a, a, an ecosystem, a really, really strong product range that's backed up with, you know, really, really good partners in the space doing what they do best, like what you guys do. Um, so we have a range, of, uh, a series of questions that we ask everyone sort of at the end, just to wrap things up. Uh, I think you've already nailed the first one, which is sort of where you see the industry in, in one versus 10 years. Um, mm. So I'll jump to the next. Uh, if you could change one thing about the industry, what would it be? Ooh, if I could change one thing about the industry. Um, it's kind of like asking what's your favorite whiskey? I don't know. <laughs> what would I change one thing? Um, you can change more than one thing if you want. What's, no, I don't what's know because I mean, I mean, you take out. You, I mean, would you take out the memes? I don't know. Memes are good fun. Um, <laughs> it's the first thing I'd keep. <laughs> Doge bags are heavy. No one takes the. Imagine if banking adopted memes. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, you see emojis in, in, in kind of some of the neo banks all the time, right? right so yeah, yeah they've, they've got the they've got the emojis down. And change one thing. Oh, I don't know. It's so big from you know pro regs to. 
Um, I don't know. I think I think definitely you can't ban scams. I mean, they're still in every asset class everywhere on earth. Um, I think some way of ensuring maximum accountability, if that's a really boring grown-up thing to say, I don't know. Because um, you can tell when stuff is a clearly a scam and it's clearly too good to be true and there are so many people falling into it and you just want to say, like, come on, get real. That, that so, sounds like you want a more international cooperation to find and prosecute. You know, it's not fine to prosecute. Just like, just don't do it. Like, really, do something. Do something better with your time than just steal other people's money. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, there's there's been a lot of stuff recently which is still ICO and still IEO and it's still completely centralized around a very small number of back holders. I mean, there was even a DeFi stat recently that uh, what was it? The top ten projects, um, the the tokens within each of those kind of DeFi projects are held by you know less than. Uh, what is it, less than 10% of the participants or something like that. Like there might be, you know, 60, 80, 100 million in some of these projects, but most of the supply is held with mm. a very small number of wallets. Um, and that's obviously going to be normal. A lot of tokens coming out, there are new stuff in the space, and that's, you know, that's just how it is. But I think when it's blatantly just ripping people off or blatantly just a cash grab uh, and ultimately the market and the market participants that want to do genuine good stuff, uh, are left kind of you know, with the bad smell. Uh, that's the stuff I don't like. It'd be nice to see the end of that. Um, what is one piece of technology you couldn't live without? One piece of tech I couldn't live without. Um, I think it's definitely got to be video content. I think it's mm. if you're doing it from an entertainment standpoint, uh, from an educational standpoint, to just communicating with other human beings. I think video is, it's still, you know, everyone says that's oh, the most important thing of, of X, Y, and Z. But that's probably the one thing I couldn't live without the most. Um, oh. It's just my default form of entertainment now. I listen to podcasts, I read, do all other stuff, but uh, video kind of has to be the default for me. So you haven't gotten sick of the, the Zoom chats over... Oh, no, 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 I love a good Zoom chat. <laughs> Bring on the Zoom. Bring on the, the Zoom, the Slack, the Googles, the MS Meets. I like, <laughs> I like me a, a, a bit of video. Okay. Um, so what do, you, what do you do on the weekend when you get time off? If you get time off, I don't know what it's like in your house. What, what are you doing? Uh, good question. So I used to be an avid uh, motorcycle rider um, and then uh, uh, decided to sell the bike and obviously put my money in the startup. And then I went to get another one and I got outvoted uh, for, for being allowed to ride on the street. So I uh, used to be a motorcyclist, still very into my motorsports. So I like Formula One, rally, that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, but apart from that, um, uh, I did a bit of boxing for a while as well for fitness. Uh, did a couple of charity fights. There were much what was your way. record? Re- record? Yeah. Uh, make it to round three without falling over. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I didn't really keep score. It was okay. just, I was treated as a fitness thing and, and then we did one charity fight and then I realised there are easier ways to raise money for charity than get punched in the face. So <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that was that was the, that's the record. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's one movie you could watch over and over and never get tired of? Can we... Move that back to like movie genre because it's definitely got to be, you know, finance movies or casino movies. So stuff okay. like, you know, Margin Call, Wolf of Wall Street, mm-hmm. the original Wall Street, mm-hmm. not that one with Shay LaBeouf, the, the original one with Charlie mm-hmm. Sheen. Uh, I think anything like that where it's just um, either business, money, good story, greed, big fault, you know, the, those, those, those are ones that are interesting to me. Okay. Do you have a catchphrase you live by? Or a, a motto? Catchphrase or a motto? Um, or think of an appropriate one. I don't know. <laughs> if, if I if I think back to the motorsport stuff, you know, if you 
if you can see it before you hear it, you've definitely failed. And I think that's kind of true with marketing as well. You know, if you've got something that everyone's talking about, you know, that's a really cool thing to have, right? So I think it's probably something like that. Okay. Uh, who should we all follow on Twitter? Who should we all follow on Twitter? CoinPass Global. And I think it's uh, Jeff underscore CoinPass. Coin, correct. I, I, don't, I don't tweet as much as I should. I get slapped on the wrist quite often for that. So We'll make uh, sure you tweet this one out. I'll make sure I tweet this one out, definitely. Okay. Um, what's the last thing that surprised you? What's the last thing that surprised me? Uh, when it rained last Thursday? No. Um, that surprised you? You live in the UK? What, what, no, no, no. Well, we've had such good weather. I mean, painfully, right? With this yeah. whole pandemic bit. We've had less cars, less buses, less planes everywhere. We have gorgeous weather. Yeah. And have what you guys in the UK would call a heat wave. Yeah. In Australia, we call it a lovely summer's day. <laughs> um, but I don't know. Surprise. Um, I would say, you know, for something positive to be surprised about how how you know, we see a lot of this bad stuff in the news in the pandemic. And I think a lot of the good stuff that's happened from this pandemic, people genuinely banding together for the greater good, you know, everything that the NHS has been doing, um, humanity will survive this and we'll get through. Uh, I don't really think any of the negative stuff that's come out of the pandemic has actually been real, to be honest. I think it's been generated out of people being bored at home. Um, I think deep down people want to be good people. I think that's probably the most thing that surprised me recently. That is the most positive note I can possibly think of to end this on. So, Jeff, thank you very much for coming in. You've been a great guest, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. To our listeners, if you haven't already seen Jeff's show and tell video, please go to our YouTube page, or you can find it on Twitter at CopperHQ, or find it on the website, copper.co forward slash insights. There you can also sign up for our newsletter, which goes out every Monday morning and includes links to all the week's top stories, as well as any updates from the wider team here at Copper. If you've enjoyed listening to the podcast, please make sure to give us a good review in whichever streaming platform you're using. And of course, subscribe. If you want to get in touch, you can always reach me, Tyler, on Twitter at CryptoTSK, or you can email me directly. That's tyler.kenyon at copper.co. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, or if you know someone who should be, give us a shout. We're here to talk things institutional crypto. This show is only made possible with the technical and creative wizardry of Ben Silvertown, with support from Maylee Mountford and Eva Lila. New episodes come out fortnightly. In the meantime, stay safe.